0: Right, the reading this morning <clears throat> The reading this morning is Joshua 5 1 to 12. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Circumcision and Passover at Gilgal. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeah Haraloth. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the the land, There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan.
1: Thank you, Anne, and uh, thank you for all those who shared. Um, The Lord is at work in all sorts of situations, and we thank him for it, and we need to continue to pray. So... This morning, I'm just going to briefly look at the passage we just read, Joshua 5, um, which I've entitled Spiritual Preparation. Last week, Rich Castro uh, took us through that victory over the River Jordan, where the people walked through on dry land. And next week, Simon will be dealing with one of the most well known stories in the Old Testament the defeat of Jericho by the Israelites. This week, however, we're looking at a chapter which in one sense you could easily skip over and almost wonder, why is it there? Nevertheless, there is an essential part of the journey of the Jews as they move forward to conquer the land. They're in a good position. They've conquered the land to the east of the Jordan. They've crossed the River, sorry, the river Jordan on dry ground at a time when it was in flood and news of what God has done has got to the people of Canaan. As verse 1 says, now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. So you would think, rather than spending more time at Gilgal, which is where they camped, they would move straight on to take Jericho. You know, we've done the river bit, now it's time to take the walls of Jericho. And invade Jericho. Why stop? Why wait? Why have us time here? Well, God has other ideas. The thought came to me that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And God had a purpose here. The people need to be spiritually prepared before facing their next battle. So the Lord speaks to Joshua and says make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. To understand this, we need to look a little bit at the subject of circumcision. As you probably know, it's the cutting away of the male foreskin as a sign of the covenant that God had made originally with Abraham. The covenant, I don't what you think about when you think of a covenant. Do you think of an agreement, a contract, something between two parties? Yeah, Well, that's a bit like what a covenant is when God gives a covenant. But it's not a covenant between equal parties. It's a covenant that flows out from the grace of God. And it's based largely on promises. Often there are promises not to do things when you have a covenant on a property. You will not have loud music or you will not do a business at your place. The covenant that God made with Abraham was an outpouring of his grace. And he made promises. And the promises were threefold. A promised land to inherit and enjoy. Multiplication. It was going to be for his descendants. He was going to be fruitful and multiply. And their God would be... He would be their God, both for Abraham and for the descendants. In response to these promises, God told Abraham to circumcise every male amongst them that is eight days old. So why, at this time... Do the Israelites need to be circumcised? Well, the text tells us why. It says in verse 4, now, this is why they did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that had come out had been circumcised. Had, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. There's a very important aspect here that the new generation had to be circumcised. They'd neglected it. They'd neglected God's ways. They'd not done circumcision as they wandered through the wilderness. The new generation had not been circumcised. So here we are about to enter into a battle And they need to be circumcised. They need to restore that covenant relationship with God before they can move in the power of God and take Joshua. The earlier generation, as you know, have been faithless, rebellious, disobedient. And God did not allow them to enter the promised land. Joshua and Caleb, as we know, were the exceptions to the rule. They went in with the spies and said, yes, we can take the giants. We're not like grasshoppers. We can trust in God, we can have faith in God, and we can go and take the land. But nobody else believed them, and so they were forced to wander around the desert for another 40 years. Looking at it from a purely military perspective, it's a bit balmy that they got circumcised on this side of the Jordan. Just think what would have happened if the Jericho people had got wind of this. There they were, in pain, healing from circumcision, and the people in Jericho could have easily come out and wiped them out, and that would be the end of the story. We could have packed up, gone home, closed the Bible, and you know given up everything. But no. Why didn't they do it before they crossed the River Jordan? Because of God's time. Do you notice that phrase? It says, at that time, they made flink knives. At that time. As Mary said, it's about God's timing, isn't it? And if this was God's timing, and this was God's purpose, that at that time, they needed to be circumcised. And it's importance of faith. They needed to have restored that covenant relationship, those faith in those promises. Above all... Circumcision is an outward symbol of an inner spiritual operation. The physical operation on the body was meant to be a symbol of spiritual operation, whereby the flesh is cut away. Circumcision was always meant to point to what God wanted to do in the human heart. God spoke of the spiritual elements of circumcision way back in the Old Testament. The Jews didn't seem to get it. Here are a couple of passages. Circumcise. Your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff necked any longer. Now, obviously, you can't physically circumcise your heart, you die. <laughs> so, this is a symbolic reference, and it means don't be stiff, don't be stubborn, don't refuse to follow any longer. Change those ways. And in Deuteronomy 36 the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live notice what circumcision of the heart produces love and service to god see what god is doing in these passages in the old testament he's telling them that the idea of circumcision is a symbol of a spiritual reality but the physical picture of cutting away the flesh flesh is a picture of you and me and what the spirit wants to do in our hearts Circumcision is from a biblical standpoint like the sharp knife of the living word of God. It's the recognition that there are areas in our lives that the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes to that need to fall away, that need to be cut away. The New Testament authors talk about the same thing. They talk about getting rid of the old man and putting on the new man. Sorry about that, ladies, but it doesn't say women as well, but (laughs) ladies as well. Put off the old person and put on the new. They just use different language. They speak of taking up the cross as well, which is an instrument of death. I want you to also emphasise that you can't do this on your own. Don't even try. You can't try to live a good Christian life on your own, in your own strength. You'll get really frustrated and then disappointed in yourself. The whole issue of dying to self, crucifying the flesh, cutting away the flesh, if you will, is a work that must be accomplished by the spirit in the power of the spirit. Let's face it, we don't have the ability to conquer our flesh. You can't control the flesh with the flesh. And yet there's a lot of Christians trying to do that. They kind of grit their teeth, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin, I'm going to be better for God, I'm going to evangelise more today, I'm going, to, I'm going to do the right things. But you can't do it in your own strength. There's a lovely illustration of how we can't do it in our own strength and we need God's help. In The Voyage of the John Treader, I don't know whether you've read it to your grandchildren or read it when you were younger, it's one of the books of the Chronicle of Narnia series by C.S. Lewis. There's a character there named Eustace. He went along with everyone else in the story onto an island that was enchanted. And somehow he ended up in a dragon's lair. And in the dragon's lair, what do dragons have? They have treasure. So there were crowns and jewels and lots of gold. And he wanted it. And he coveted it. And in fact, he put an armlet of gold on his arm. And this is a picture, really, what his heart was like. He'd given in to the flesh. And that was what Lewis was trying to say. You become what you are on this enchanted island. And Eustace goes through a period where he's trying to get his friend's attention and let them know who he is, because now he's a dragon. He becomes a dragon. He can no longer speak. And there's this scene on the beach where Eustace is sitting on the beach, disgusted with himself, and he begins to take his sharp, who sharp claws and tries to get rid of his fleshly dragon. And suddenly, Aslan is on the beach next to him. And he says, Eustace, it won't come off like that. C.S. Lewis is frankly sharing one of the most powerful truths of Christianity. You can't scrape off the flesh. This fire-breathing dragon that you have become because of your sin, you can't scrape it off in your own strength. And it took Aslan to remove the dragon skin. Eustace surrendered to the fact that he couldn't change himself. And he surrendered to Aslan. Who is of course a picture of Christ. Aslan then restored him. And took away that flesh of stone. And that sin. And it's wonderful. There's a movie about it. So I've just got a tiny little clip. Just a few seconds. Of this picture. Now... My son went to a film once called James and the Giant Peach, and he was totally disgusted that the film was not totally accurate to the book. And this picture you're going to see on this movie is not totally accurate to the book. So I refer you back to the book (laughs) if you want to know really what happened. But the picture is still pretty amazing, Okay. Sand? He's not dead, by the way. (laughs) Um, So uh, but that's a wonderful picture of him trying to scrape the flesh off. But actually, he had to allow Aslan to scrape the flesh off. He had to hear the roar of the Holy Spirit, the roar of the lion, to change him back from a dragon. One of the books I would just uh, encourage you to read when you go home today is the book of Galatians which talks much about circumcision and this whole thing of flesh and the spirit. I Just wanna read this passage to you. Oh foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Christ's death, Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Allow the Lord to take away those things that he's pointing out to you. Allow the Lord to change you. It talks about as being changed from one degree of glory to another by the Holy Spirit. And finally, just a little thought on the other part of the passage, which talks about Passover. Now that the people were back in the promised land after their exile in Egypt, the next step was to keep the Passover. Now, circumcision had to take place first, as no uncircumcised male could eat the Passover. But now all the men of Israel were qualified to join the feast of celebration, which marked that deliverance from bondage and slavery. Sometimes in our journey of faith, some steps need to precede others. We need to do this before that. In fact, in Acts 2, when people say, because of Peter's sermon, what must we do to be saved? He says, repent and be baptised. You need to repent. You need to turn away from your sin, turn to God and then be baptised as a believer because that's what we are, aren't we? We're Baptists. (laughs) (laughs) Baptism is the visible sign that we too can receive to show that we've believed in Christ. Surely as part of their celebration of the passover their confidence would have increased that god would once again give them the victory over the forces ranged against them god had promised them the land he'd even said to joshua in joshua 1 i will give you every place where you put your foot that's a great thought isn't it they were going to conquer the land they were moving into their inheritance we too as a people of god can move into our inheritance And we too can see the extension of God's kingdom. The key to victory is this. God has spoken. We have a clear word from him. We can put our trust and faith in him. And then we can obey whatever he tells us. Whatever enemies or battles you face, whether they're financial, health, difficult relationships, we can gain victory by being spiritually prepared as the Israelites needed to be before attacking Jericho. The world we live in has been disposing of many of the laws and values that had their foundation in the word of God. We're surrounded by some people who are openly hostile toward the idea of God and do not believe even Jesus lived on earth, so-called evangelical atheists. Many others are apathetic about God, aren't they? They say things, well, religion, that may work for you, but it's not something that I'm interested in. In the West, despite the cost-of-living crisis, we're pressurised into buying with adverts lots and lots more things. The world wants to conform us into its image. And there's a lovely verse in J.B. Phillips, which I really think is a great way of putting this. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God... I beg you, my brothers and sisters, as an act of intelligent worship to give your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into his own mould, into its own mould. But let God remould your lives from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. So, just a little bit of homework as you go home today. First of all, read the book of Galatians. It really is good, and it talks a lot about circumcision. It's trying to add something and do it in their own effort. They went back the wrong way. Think what the Spirit can do in your life. And what does the Spirit want to do in your life? What battles are you facing What spiritual preparation do you need? They needed to be restored, that relationship, through circumcision. They also needed to be rededicated in Passover. What spiritual preparation do you need? Ask God. Amen. I'm going to sing a prayer to finish with.